Hey, how you guys doing? This is producer from Brothers Comics. Uh, welcome to Last Night in the Association, our NBA recap show. Uh, on the line tonight, I have a favorite point guard, uh, small forward, whichever position, man, but he's getting buckets. It's Will Stacks. Will, say what's up. Will Stacks in the house. What's up? What's up? What's up? Yes, we go way, way back. Uh, we'll talk about Mr. Modi uh, as we get towards the wrap-up. But before we get into these Eastern Conference and Western Conference Finals, I know you, I, you see me play this game on our Facebook page all the time. I'm going to play this game that it came out today of One Gotta Go. This One Gotta Go came out today, and I was like, oh, my goodness, I got to throw it to all the old-school rap fans. So the One Gotta Go was four rap songs. Um, and I'm trying to pull it up here. Uh, one Gotta Go. One of them is one of your faves from back in the day as well. One of them is... It Takes Two by Rob Bass and DJ Easy Rock. The other one is, oh my goodness, my computer's crapping out on me now. Gosh darn it. Hold on. Here we go. Sorry. Uh, Ain't No Half-Stepping by Big Daddy Kane. Uh, Children's Story by Slick Rick the Ruler. And My Philosophy by uh, Boogie Down Productions, but essentially it's KRS-One. So, one gotta go. Ain't No Half-Stepping, Children's Story, My Philosophy, or It Takes Two. Whew, that's a tough one there. <laughs> yeah. But looking at those, uh, It Takes Two is just an absolute hip-hop classic as far as just a, a just an, an anthem for, for that entire summer uh, was just the summer of 88 was the song and obviously has continued on for 30-plus years. Um, Children's Story is another just absolute hip-hop classic, Slick Rick. We just talked about it a couple of podcasts ago. Um, and then My Philosophy is just, oh, man, that's a hitter from, from BDP KRS. So one got to go. I'm going to have to, sorry, Big Daddy. You know, <laughs> I've got to go. Yeah. Sorry. Sorry, Big Daddy. Uh, I, I'm uh, I love Big Daddy Kane, but uh, of those four, we'll holler at you, Big Daddy. Yeah, that's a tough one. It's one of the ones we've sent out before. That is uh, a very difficult one. Um, and I, I agree with all of your thinking behind that process. Um, so yeah, I I would agree with you as well. And I do love Big Daddy Kane. So yeah, that was really hard for me. All right, let's get into these Western Conference Finals first instead of the East. We lead off in the Western Conference. Because last night, technically, before I even get into that, actually, last night was really the only, I would say, good game of the games that have been played in both the Eastern Conference and the Western Conference uh, because we've had blowouts in a lot of the games. And so this one was actually competitive, although it looked like it wasn't going to be. But the Rockets come back and win, come down from 10 points down in the fourth quarter and stun the Dubs at home, uh, 95 to 92. Um, just coming after they get drubbed out of game three by 41 points. Steph is back. He's shimmying. He's shaking. He scores 35. Uh, what happened to the Dubs last night? Well, let's quickly go back to game three where it was. It, that was a Golden State performance. We did have a coming out party in the series for uh, Steph Curry. even got scolded a bit by his mom for uh, dropping a few foul language bombs, you know, after hitting some buckets. But he was on fire. He was feeling it. 
I understand where he was coming from, and that was the Golden State team that has dominated over the last few years. However, coming to last night, that was not the Golden State team uh, that we saw in game three. Uh, up 12 even, 82-70 uh, was the score that I recall. And from that point on, uh, Houston took over. From that point on, uh, it was uh, the Rockets dictating uh, what was happening in the game. And actually, Golden State seemed like they were playing Houston Rocket ball. It was, okay, it's my turn to go ISO. I'm going to try to take it to the rack or pull up, shoot a three. My turn next, then you take a turn. And it just kept going around the horn. And it was just really Curry and Durant. Nobody else seemed to really be touching the ball, which is not Golden State basketball. They're known for moving the basketball. Uh, disappointing down a stretch for... Uh, the Dubs, not a championship performance at all in the fourth quarter last night. And it puts the series, you know, kind of back up into a toss-up, really, as they head back to Houston for game five. The Rockets in those last, you know, seven to ten minutes saved their season, essentially, because if they had gone down 3-1, you know, they were going to come back to beat Golden State three games in a row. That just wasn't going to happen. You know, as a part of a, a big part of game three as well, was the injury to Andre Godaga. You know, he goes out uh, uh, the knee contusion, uh, which is a, the dreaded knee contusion. He doesn't play game four. Uh, but in, in actuality, he, his part in the Hampton Five really isn't it to score. It's to defend. And last night, neither team breaks 100. Yeah, I think uh, his absence was felt probably in the communication aspect, if anything else. Um as opposed to also to having another body. But when he's out on the floor, he's almost a quarterback with Draymond Green on who needs to go where uh, in different situations. And I think they did lack that communication. Uh, you know, they got, you know, stuck sometime with Kevin Looney out there or uh, Jordan Bell out there. They were, you know, they're young players who haven't been in situations like that. I was surprised I didn't see more of Sean Levingston. Uh, during that, during some of those stretches, he could have been that that fifth spot of the Hampton Five, if you will. Uh, you know, especially down the stretch. So I was a little surprised didn't see him uh, in the game. But it was, um, you know, KD and and Steph Curry. Uh, that was, those were performances by those two gentlemen that I'm sure they want to forget quickly. But also give big ups to the Rockets. You know, Chris Paul. He really showed why he came. Uh, to the Rockets. He was a true leader down the stretch. And then on the side note, how about P.J. Tucker uh, and his contributions? He played some amazing D, 16 rebounds uh, from P.J. Tucker. But it was uh, Chris Paul and Eric Gordon uh, scoring the buckets uh, down the stretch, disappearing act by the MVP, uh, MVP to be probably James Harden. But still, uh, the Rockets got it done. Yeah, a poor shooting night all around for each team. Like I said, neither one breaks 100. Uh, both CP3 and James Harden both under 50%, even though they combined for 53. Um, just And then the wild scoring in between quarters, man. I mean, everybody's going on streaks. You know, after the first quarter, uh, Rockets are down nine. Then they score 34 in the second quarter, and, only, and the Dubs only score 18. And in the fourth quarter, it's 25 to 12. I mean, it's just a weird kind of scoring night, no consistency. And then, again, that's the third quarter after uh, the Warriors put up 35 again. And, you know, Steph goes nuts in the third. It's just it, – it was a weird game. 
and it's kind of been a weird series. I wonder if we get that weird, hey, we're back home, and we get that blowout game in game five. Well, I know the Rockets, uh, they better take advantage because I know the Warriors are going to feel they let one slip away again, being up 12 midway through uh, the fourth quarter. Uh, they're going to feel like they really let one slip, and if the series uh, itself slips away, they're going to look back at, at game four and say that's where – uh, we lost it. But uh, coming back to game five, uh championship team is able to reset. So we'll see if uh, the Warriors can set aside that performance and do just that reset for game five. But Houston has got to take this and ride the momentum to uh, see if it carries over to some nice play uh, in, in game five. I know they're even going to honor the students and faculty of Santa Fe High School where the tragedy took place, so they maybe can feed off of that uh, adrenaline uh, to push them over the top in game five. Yeah. It, you got to wonder if there's going to be a little bit of that psychological hangover uh, by the Warriors as we get this now down to a best of three series with two games being in Houston if it goes seven games. Yeah, uh, no real injury update news on AI. Not sure if he's actually going to play in game five. I definitely do think that they need him out there, especially in a game like that. Kevin Looney ain't ready for that kind of heat. Yeah, I would anticipate he's at least going to give it a shot and see how much he can do, uh, you know, with his knee. Uh, if he can't go, they'll pull him out at that point. But I'm pretty confident he'll at least give it a go and see just how good he's feeling. Yeah, it's just – it's yeah, I, I, that game shocked me. <laughs> it really did. But actually, it was a good game because as we started, like I said, game three was just, it was over before it started, really. And then, uh, you know, and when we're going to get into the Eastern Conference, the, the last two games have just been, you know, an absolute joke. So best of three, though, who you got? I'm going to still stay with my initial pick. I did say the Warriors in five, so that won't be correct. But I still think uh, the Warriors have too much. You can't think they're going to shoot three for 18 uh, in another fourth quarter, although, um, you know, you can expect the Rockets to struggle like they did down the stretch. Uh, James Harden, you know, like I said, disappeared. You would expect more out of him. So uh, both teams, sure, they have more to offer, but I, I think the Warriors uh, may have just a little bit too much. So I'm going to stay with my pick with the Warriors still coming out of the West. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how, I mean, they've gotten there through these ISO sets and they've abused, I mean, literally, you called the Department of Children and Families of what they did to Steph Curry in Houston in those first two games, um, even, though, even though the Cubs won one. Uh, so it'll be very curious to see how that comes out. It definitely shook Steph's confidence. He didn't get it back literally, literally until, like, the third quarter of that uh, of game three. So, yeah, all right. Let's head out to the Eastern Conference playoffs. Game five is tonight back in Boston. I don't think any Boston Celtic player ever wants to go back to Cleveland, and at least they're going to have to do it one more time. Let's tie two to two. Each team holds serve. The Celtics looked absolutely awful in Cleveland. Yeah, I was surprised. You know, the young Celtic team who during the regular season were a pretty good team on the road, uh, but we know the playoffs is a whole different beast, and, and they just – couldn't find their way uh, from the outside, from the inside, playing defense. They just had no clue uh, what to do. They probably had trouble finding the restroom in the locker room. They just could not <laughs> get it going uh, really in game, especially game three. It was uh, total uh, domination by the Cavaliers. There was a stretch 
in game four where it seemed like they might have got some things together. But, again, down the stretch, just put the ball in LeBron's hand and watch out. And uh, he carried the Cavs down the stretch. But he's been getting some nice support. And when he gets that support from the likes of Corver, from the likes of even there was a J.R. Smith sighting in a few buckets. Uh, Tristan Thompson's played some inspired ball. And, uh, you know, Kevin Love, he's still contributing, not to where they won, but he's doing his part. Uh, when LeBron gets the help from uh, his uh, quote-unquote supporting cast, um, the Cavs are tough to beat, as we saw in Cleveland. But will that supporting cast be able to carry it over in Boston? They didn't do it in the first two games. Celtics now 1-6 and six on the road in these playoffs. Uh, game four was 111-102. to It really wasn't that close. Again, they were down 16 early in the first quarter. I mean, the game was over from the stump. Uh, it's, yeah, it's just really bad. This is where, like, you really miss Kyrie Irving, or even if they had, um, ah, shoot, what the other dude's name that broke his leg. Even if they Gordon had Hayward. him. Yeah, Gordon Hayward. At least somebody else besides um, Al Horford, if that kind of like some veteran experience like that, it would really help them in these situations because they, again, the, the NBA championships are won by mature old teams, not by young teams like this. Yeah, definitely the youth start to show its show its face uh, with the Celtics. Um, still getting some nice play from Tatum and Brown, but in those clutch moments, uh, you can definitely see maybe some confusion on a switch on defense or some, uh, you know, just uncertainty at the moment instead of just letting it fly like they have been maybe when they're home in Boston. Again, maybe the youth uh, will be served to be uh, get the home cooking uh, starting with game five tonight. But, you know, the the Cavs, they made some adjustments, and I uh, really like the adjustments, especially uh, in game four where they put LeBron out on the wing and uh, George Hill got him the ball on the wing and then immediately caused the switch. And I feel so bad for Terry Rozier who got called in that switch so many times uh, with LeBron, and LeBron would take him in the post most of the time, and he had absolutely no chance. Uh, and it was, uh, you know, bully ball down low for LeBron. So uh, look for that to continue uh, as LeBron, you know, putting up huge numbers, setting more records uh, as he's done. I don't know how many more records he has to set, but it seems to be uh, breaking one just about every game. Yeah, I think he just passed Michael Jordan for uh, one on whatever list of playoff scoring or something like that. He gets 44 in game four. It's fifth 40-plus game. Um, in this NBA playoffs, um, I've got to say back to Boston, though, too, you know, this is also one of those situations with Brown and Tatum. It's also like deciding, like, who's our go-to person when we need a bucket for sure, when things are tight. You know, it's team ball and all that. That, that is important. But you do need that alpha male out there when you need that bucket at that particular time. And I think they're still trying to figure that part out. Yeah, that's definitely where they miss Kyrie. Kyrie would definitely be. That man, when you're when you're low in the shot clock, and you need that uh, take it off the dribble player, he's definitely the one to go to. Uh, early in the clock, they've been they have been uh, going after Kevin Love guarding uh, Al Horford. Horford's had his way against Kevin Love down low, and they've been trying to exploit that matchup. But as you mentioned, uh, they really need that go-to guy when they need a bucket. And, you know, Terry Rozier might take it one time and might go to Brown one time, might go to Tatum. But like you said, they need that, that one guy that you can definitely go to and feel that you have 
uh, someone that can make a play, whether for themselves or for someone else. Yeah. So you brought up Corver Hill and the Curse, you know, both of them. Hill and, and the Curse get 13 points. The Curse gets 13 rebounds. Corver gets 14 coming off the bench. Uh, same question. Is back to Boston. Is best of three. Who you got? Best of three, got to go with the king, LeBron. Um, I'm going to take LeBron and his uh, stable mates. I think the curse, I might even call him Tristan Thompson as opposed to Tristan <laughs> Kardashian. Where, uh, he he has supplied some energy uh, that, that the Cavs really need. Now, again, can that carry over to the road uh, with at Boston? You know, that's where the road players really have to step up. It's when those games are on the road. LeBron is going to do his thing on the road, at home, wherever he needs to, out on the street, in the playground, wherever. But can he get that help on the road from those role players? And Thompson has to continue to play big, energetic minutes. He has to get some timely shooting from Kyle uh, Kyle Korver, uh, George Hill, J.R. Smith. I think that's the key player. we got to get... Uh, some play from J.R. Smith to um, to really open things up. If if the Cavs get that, I think um, they'll be they'll be in good business. So look for J.R. Smith uh, to get the ball early and often to try to get him going. And I think the game will kind of fall on his shoulders. It becomes that thing when you get on the road. That first ten minutes, you can't come. You know, you can't go down fifteen, sixteen points at the end of the first quarter. Uh, so if the Cavs can hold on, do we get game LeBron tonight, or does he save it for Game Six and Game Seven? No, LeBron wants to go up three-two and close it out in Cleveland. So I expect an aggressive LeBron early. But uh, again, J.R. Smith, he's going to get his looks early too. So um, probably a nice fourteen-point quarter to start for LeBron and to see where everybody else falls. But um, yeah, expect big numbers from LeBron, possibly another triple-double, may even score 40 again in the playoffs. I'm wondering if there's a psychological hangover with the Celtics, even though they lost both of those games, even though they already they know they have home court advantage in their back pocket. If it doesn't go well to start early tonight, you know, do we get the L fold, though? You know, the home cooking is, is always good. Um if they and the Celtics have a way of staying in games for the most part, uh, I think they'll keep it close. I don't think they'll let it slip away. Even if they fall behind, I don't think it'll get to the point where they'll be way behind. So uh, even falling behind by 10 points at the half, I don't think would be too much. So just just watch the Celtics uh, as they uh, they're going to try to get Tatum going early. Watch for Jason Tatum to try to. Exploit whoever's guarding him. There's been a lot of J.R. Smith, so uh, look for him to try to exploit that matchup. Uh, I expect him to be the the go-to guy, especially to start uh, for the Celtics. Yeah, so that game five tips off tonight at 8.30. Uh, I'm not sure who I like, to be honest with you. Uh, in, in a normal situation, I would always take the home team for game five, and I'm taking the Rockets in that same situation, too. Um, but in this situation, I don't know if they're so young that they aren't psychologically beat up a little bit. And they've probably gone farther than anybody thought they were going to go to. Once Kyrie went down, once Hayward went down, I don't know if anybody was penciling them in for the Eastern Conference Finals. You know, and at this point, young team, 
you know, maybe they just kind of got to peter out. They only went eight deep uh, the other night as well. Uh, you know, they're not, you know, strengthening out, you know, strengthening numbers on that bench or whatever. They're shortening the lineup. We might just be getting near the end with that young group. Well, yeah, playoff time, you do generally uh, shorten your rotation, uh, and eight guys will be the, the main number you'll see probably from both sides, from Cleveland and Boston. Uh, but expect, uh, I, I think these, these young bucks are ready. I think uh, a lot will also fall on Brad Stevens. You know, he's known as the the coach with the uh, magician-type touch. He knows where to put players and when to put players in certain positions. I think this will be a time where we really need to see that Brad Stevens magic. Uh, can he get these young players uh, enthused, inspired, and ready to play? So if you think uh, Brad Stevens is a good coach, I think tonight will be a great barometer to see uh, just how good he is. Yeah, he's probably not getting nearly the amount. Uh, he's probably getting all the credit, and Ty Lue's not getting any. Um, that's just kind of typical, but that's a different just podcast. That's the way it is. Uh, yeah, yeah. Tyron, uh, Tyron Lue can make every adjustment known to man, but it always will come back to LeBron no matter what uh, yeah. Coach Lue says. But Brad Stevens can make an adjustment, and he will indeed get the credit. And I think Tyron Lou, he he's okay with that. He understands it comes with the territory of coaching uh, uh, generational talent as LeBron James. He knows that. He understands that. Um, and he doesn't mind that as long as they win. Okay. Yeah. All right. All right, so that wraps up the conference finals. And we get into our list of going over the greatest players of teams. Uh, alphabetically, as we've been going through the list, um, we are up to the Minnesota Timberwolves. Um, this was just a slam dunk, so we're just going to kind of go through them really quick here. The Timberwolves, this KG, uh, I would assume, I, I don't know if we talked about this before. Maybe we got them out of order. Steph would be second. I can't think of anybody else. Yeah, I think uh, Minnesota Timberwolves, you know, there's absolutely no doubt number one is uh, Kevin Garnett. He, uh, put the, he put the Timberwolves on the map, really. Uh, you know, without, you know, Stephon Marbury had a stretch. You know, we mentioned, uh, I think, Isaiah Ryder possibly mm -hmm. uh, had a role. So, you know, the names there, there are quite a few names, but none as great as Kevin Garnett because he is a right. man definitely in Minnesota. Yeah, that's it there. Uh, you know, maybe a Carl Anthony Towns can take that mantle, but probably not. All right. Uh, next not, up. Not after his playoff performance. That's <laughs> yeah, definitely not. Uh, next up would, in the list would be the New Orleans Pelicans, uh, which would have been formerly the Charlotte Hornets slash Bobcats, which we've kind of already gone over. So since they have such a small history, we're just going to give it to Anthony Davis because there's really not anybody left. Yeah, we're going to just uh, definitely uh, give it to Anthony Davis uh, only from New Orleans Pelicans. Uh, standpoint, I don't even think there's anybody else in the discussion. Uh, you know, <laughs> Anthony Davis is the uh, he's the player. You know, the question is how long will he stay in New Orleans? I think it's, yeah. it's the big question because he's definitely the franchise player, and they're going to probably do whatever they can to keep him. The question is uh, who else will be come calling uh, yeah. to try to get Anthony Davis uh, to head their way. But uh, if he stays in New Orleans, you know, that's uh, definitely something you want to build around. He's uh, an outstanding talent. As long as he can stay healthy, he's one of the best. Yep. All right. All right. So then our next stop on the alphabetical list is this is a tough one. It's the New York Knickerbockers, man. Whew. 
uh, as I put in the show notes, I was like, oh, you got to go back to the dawn of the league here, and then you have the modern league uh, or Knickerbockers as well. And so it's a little bit tough because you could go all the way back to what the Dave DeBusher to the Senator, uh, what's his name? Uh, Bill Bradley. But Bill, Bill Bradley. Uh, yeah, I, uh, I I broke it up. I said first, if you want to throw out names like the two you mentioned, you can't. You got to mention Willis Reed. You got to mention Walt Clyde Frazier. Those would be yeah. probably the names uh, that you want to uh, talk about the most. However. Uh, still, even with those guys, the greatest in Nick history would definitely be post '80s. I think one of my favorite players was Bernard King. Uh, mm-hmm. When he came to the Knicks uh, mid uh, early in his career, he probably would have been uh, one of the all-time greats in Nick history if he could have stayed healthy. Uh, yeah. He was a dynamic scorer, but just had a series of knee issues could only play one full season with the Knicks. Other seasons were uh, chopped up, even lost a full season because of those uh, bad knees. So Bernard King, uh, uh, what would have been uh, list. But, you know, I think I think it's still pretty much a slam dunk, uh, even though with those other greats that we mentioned earlier, that the best Nick in the history of the franchise uh, is out of Georgetown, Patrick Ewing. You know, 15 years as a Nick, played more games, scored more points, grabbed more rebounds uh, than any New York Knicks in history. Uh, when I think New York Knicks, he's the first name that comes to mind, Patrick Ewing, 21-10 over his career. Uh, he's one of the best, played on the Dream Team, 11-time All-Star. Uh, I think it's uh, Patrick Ewing, uh, the number one player in New York Knicks franchise. I think he was also voted to the 50th, 50 greatest players as well. Um, so uh, when they did their anniversary list of the top 50 players in the league, it's not that I have somebody that I would take over Patrick Ewing. I just we just, just never envisioned. let him to. They, they yeah. never won a championship. They yeah. never. They never. He just came around. Came along in the quote unquote Jordan era, and they. Yeah. You know, they just couldn't get over that hurdle. When they did make it to the finals, they ran into a king. So it was, um, you know, just maybe some poor timing, if you will. But, you know, he's not the only person uh, to have that uh, quote-unquote label uh, as one of the greats who have never won a championship. You know, he's just part of that list. He just came around, like you said, at the wrong time. But as far as uh, the Knickerbocker franchise, uh, I think still Patrick Ewing is the person I think of when I think of the New York Knicks. I, I, you know, I think of, you know, the the game against the Pacers where he had an opportunity to put that down, you know, one-handed, and he laid it up, and he missed it to lose that game. Uh, uh, <laughs> yeah, there were there were a couple moments like that in his in his history. Yeah, that. Um, that I'm sure he wish he had back. You know, some other names that might get honorable mention, at least, uh, you know, Allen Houston is a name. Yeah, He was sure. a great uh, player for the Knicks and their franchise. Hey, can't even forget about Carmelo. Carmelo Anthony, he had a stretch there. where He was at least a, a huge name and a big scorer uh, for the Knicks. So, you know, they definitely had some great names in the franchise's history, uh, but none greater than Patrick Ewing.
Yeah, I uh, one of my also, you know, honorable mentions or whatever is Latrell Sprewell, who when he came over, you know, changed the attitude of that franchise as well. Uh, didn't play as many seasons, obviously, um, but when he got there from Golden State after the uh, put some mustard on an incident, <laughs> uh, after choking out uh, Coach Carlissimo, uh, he definitely, um, you know, he had a couple of, he had a, a few really good seasons. I think he had two all-star seasons in there in New York. So, uh, yeah. Uh, can't forget Spree. Yeah, Allen Houston gets shit on a lot just because they never won with him. But he was a solid player for the Knicks. Um, just, you know, kind of that quiet assassin kind of player that could, you know, I mean, he was a precursor to a stretch 3-4, you know, back in the day. He, you know, he could defend on the wing and shoot three. So, yeah, uh, he was a really good player for the Knicks. Uh, even with the Patrick Ewing, man. Patrick Ewing. Patrick uh, Ewing. He's, you know, he was a... Uh... He's a great player, great player, even uh, going back to Georgetown days. All right, fine. Ugh. All right. He did popularize wearing T-shirts on the jerseys, which uh, still exists uh, <laughs> back in 1982 and 83. So uh, he, he definitely just fashion forward in that regard. Oh, no. All right, no. so as we, we get to the closeout music here, uh, it's our man Kumo D. Why Kumo D? Uh, Kumo D, this song, uh, Wild Wild West, uh, you know, came into play because the Rockets won last night. Had the Rockets lost last night, we would have had a whole different song, but because <laughs> it would have been now a 2-2 series, that definitely makes the West Wild Wild West. Uh, this song back from 1987, you know, Kumo D, probably known uh, for How You Like Me Now for Wild Wild West. Um, you know, definitely not one of my favorite rappers, you know, with his beef with LL Cool J over the years. Yeah. Um, you know, there was some nice, nice uh, back and forth by those two. But uh, he was, he was, uh, he played his role, if you will, in the yeah. history of hip hop. Um, definitely won't go down as one of the best, but definitely not one of the worst either. But the song was definitely appropriate for what's going on right now. So we got Kumo D, Wild Wild West, 1987. Wow. Yeah, you took it way, way back. I um, Yeah, that was going to be my other question. I was like, who did you have in the LL Cool J, Kumo D rap battle of 1980-whatever? Uh, I mean, you know, I'll take LL just because I liked him more, if anything, at the time. But, you know, Jack the Ripper was, uh, was, uh, was a solid uh, comeback. Yeah. So, uh, uh, I'll take LL over Kumo D any day. Yeah, and in a sense, LL also owes his uh, resurgence or whatever in the latter parts of the 80s and early 90s to Kumo D because he had settled into, I don't know what the hell he had settled into, but we don't get Mama Said Knock You Out without this beef with Kumo D. And, uh, you know, <laughs> it's so funny, you know, and you're probably in the same boat as you kids, a little bit younger or whatever. It's like you see these rappers on TV, you know, Snoop Dogg hosting the show, uh, Matt, uh, uh, LL Cool J hosting these shows or whatever. And I say to my kids, like, yeah, um, he was a really good rapper. <laughs> like, yeah. not like yeah. some dude. <laughs> he was like, like yeah, the top was. of his game rapper. Mid-80s, he was the man. He was, yeah. he was, yeah, he was way up there on the list, way up there. Yeah. It's just wild. I'm like, yeah, um, He's not just some dude that hosts a freaking lip sync show with Chrissy Teigen. Yeah. But anywho, <laughs> so that is we get to wrap up as Kumo D starts to play us out. Hey, man, tell them where they can find you. 
Hey, find me at Will Stacks, at Will Stacks on Instagram, or at Mr. Water 77 Let us know what you think of the show. As we are getting close to winding up uh, the conference finals, heading towards the NBA finals, I can't wait. Let us know what you think of last night in the association. Yeah, the NBA finals starts regardless, May 31st. Uh, again, the weird playoff schedule where we get three and four days off in between, but then these last three games are going to be rushed out here uh, <laughs> before the end of the weekend. So, about the end of the week. So, yeah, it's, it's just wild. But, yeah, we're looking forward to that. Uh, definitely. Uh, I'm, I'm still curious as to what ABC is actually wanting. Is LeBron and somebody. I don't know if they want the part four or if they want the new team with Houston. But um, it, it'll be interesting to see how this plays out. Uh, remember, you gave it a five. Producer at Brothers Comics at uh, on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at Brothers Comics. B R O T H A S C O M I S. Remember to find the podcast on SoundCloud, iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play. Um, again, just put in at Brothers Comics podcast. You'll be able to find it on many different streaming apps. So it's cool, Modi. Play this out, man. Thank you. Let's get ready for this game tonight. Go see you for me. I don't know, buddy. Come on, let's stay with the hometown. LeBron leads the Cavs. The victory go Cavs, but like the Celtics tonight, we'll back this out. We'll see y'all on the side, people. Peace.
We fight with our hands and nobody's a punk. Oh, 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 oh. 